Hey guys, like Andy said, I am an intern here at Summit Church. I actually moved in March with my wife, Abby, from North Carolina. And it's, uh, it's pretty funny how I actually got connected to um, Summit Church and got to know Brian and Andy. I was a college freshman, and for my first course ever, I decided to take an upper-level course, um, which is pretty much for grad students, but undergrads were allowed in. And uh, I had no idea how to write notes or take notes or how to write a paper or pay attention. And uh, so here I am in class, and a couple months in, the first test is rolling around, and I now have no notes. I don't know what I'm doing. And so I did what any other freshman would do, and I looked around for someone who was pretty much cool and smart, and I had the audacity to walk up to Brian Barley and ask him for all of his notes and all of his hard work, and Andy was sitting right next to him. Um, and yeah, that's how I got to know Brian. But here's the funny thing, um, is that Brian is a really good student, and he's really smart, and uh, he and Andy both pla- passed the test and the class, but when I looked at the notes, there was actually more notes about this church and this dream that Brian and Andy had than there was notes about the class. So it wasn't really that helpful to me. And I actually just asked Andy when I walked in if he, uh, if he remembered me in that class, and he's like, I don't really remember anything about that class. Um, so they're both very smart. They graduated grad school. Um, but yeah, it's pretty funny to think back on how I met them. Um, and so I remember asking Brian about all these notes that he was taking about some church he wanted to start. And uh, yeah, fast forward about five years now, Summit Church is a reality, and all those notes are now, um, yeah, this. And so it's really exciting. It's been amazing for me to be able to watch you guys grow from just this idea or this dream to now a, communi- a church that's really impacting the community. Um, and so, yeah, my wife and I, we moved here in March to come be a part of this. And since that day, we've uh, really loved you guys. We wanted to be a part of this. And now I have an opportunity to intern here. Um, and Brian asked me to preach. Now, I wanted to point out, like Andy said, this is my first sermon at Summit. It's also my first sermon ever. And Brian, uh, he asked me to wrap up a series on Philippians. And he also asked me to preach about money, which is if you've been in the church long enough, you pretty much know that money and church don't really work too well together. It's kind of one of the touchy subjects within the church. So thank you, Brian, for asking me to wrap up a series and preach about money. Um, as I studied the passage, I was trying to figure out if it really was about money, and it really is. There's no way around it. Um, but, but here's the exciting thing, that while this sermon and while this passage in Philippians uh, 4 is about money. It's actually about something much, much bigger. Um, This passage is about, um, sorry, this passage here in Philippians is talking about money, but it's talking about the, it's it's a story about how God advances the gospel and how he advances the church through our generosity and our resources. So this entire series in Philippians, we've been trying to figure out, um, it's called the cause, and we've been trying to figure out what cause we're living our lives to. And so tonight, in particular, we're going to talk about uh, following Jesus with our money and our generosity. So Paul's going to hit on three main things here in this passage. He's going to talk to us about how Christians prosper as a result of giving. And second, he's going to talk to us about why God is so pleased with our giving. And then finally, Paul's going to explain to us how God gives us the confidence we need to risk giving away our money. And so my first point is this, that God's prosper, God prospers us in giving. 
So verse 14 through 17, uh, Paul says that it was kind of you, he writes to the Philippians, it was kind of you to share my trouble. And you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving except you only. Even in Thessalonica, you sent help for me, you sent help for my needs once and again. And so Paul's going to end this letter in Philippians by reminding, the, by reminding the church at Philippi of how their relationship started. What Paul's doing is he's going back to start. And so the relationship with uh, the Philippians and Paul began with Paul's vision to advance the gospel. And this vision he had led him to plant a church at Philippi, which at the time was a really influential city. And so it's that same vision that Paul had that drove Brian and Andy to come to Denver to an influential city and start a church. And so Paul, he planted this church in Philippi, and then he stayed with them for a while while they grew and became an established church. And then he ends up leaving to go to new cities to start advancing the gospel by planting more and more churches. And this is where, we're, this is where we are in the letter. He hasn't seen the church in Philippi in a while, in probably a couple of years, and he's now in a completely separate context. He hasn't seen the people um, but he's writing back to them. And so he begins this last piece of the letter by reminding them that they were the only church that decided to partner with him. So Paul, he'd planted the churches before the, Philippi, before the church at Philippi, and he'd discipled other Christians, and he'd poured into many other people. But it was the Philippians who partnered with him. And so that's what he's writing about. Um, Paul's writing, he writes, the Philippians, sorry, my passage. Yeah, so he's writing, it was kind of you to share my trouble, and you, you, you Philippians yourselves know that in the beginning when I left, no church entered into partnership. And so when I think about the Philippians reading the letter that they received from Paul, I think that they could have responded in needed two ways. Number one, they could have probably responded by being extremely prideful and proud of the fact that they were the only ones who supported him. Or two, they probably could have felt extremely sorry that no one else supported him. But before they could react to this letter that Paul's writing, Paul writes this crucial verse. And he, in 17, he says, Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. And so what Paul's saying to the Philippians through this whole first piece is that he's trying to explain to them, Hey guys, thank you for your gift. I really appreciate all of the funding, everything you've done for me. But what I really desire is the way that you're going to grow from giving me all of this. It was really kind of you to share my troubles, but ultimately I'm excited because this actually benefits you more than it does me. And so to kind of explain and illustrate this, I'm sure a lot of you guys are familiar with Kickstarter campaigns. It's kind of when a new company or product wants to get launched, a bunch of people come behind it and they support it. Um, And so imagine for a second that you're supporting this Kickstarter campaign. You help it get launched, you help it grow, you help it advance and become some sort of established product or company. And usually when you support a Kickstarter, they send you something in return once they're kind of up and going. So imagine that you support this Kickstarter, and then all of a sudden you just get a letter in return from them saying, hey, thank you so much for all of the funding throughout the years, but really we just we didn't need any of the funding. What we really wanted is that you would grow and mature as a person. So you'd probably be a little upset at this Kickstarter campaign, and you'd probably want all of your money back. And so it's kind of the way the Philippians probably feel at this moment. They've supported Paul for years. They've helped him advance. They've helped him get to new cities. And now Paul just writes, hey, thank you for everything. But really, 
this was all about you. It wasn't for me. And so they're probably slightly confused at this point. And so here's what Paul's trying to communicate. What Paul's trying to really say is that when you give, you are functioning in a way that you're supposed to. And as a result, you will, be, you will flourish and be rewarded. And so I feel like in order to properly illustrate what Paul's trying to communicate and illustrate why we prosper when we give, we have to understand the reason and the cause that we were created for. So we have to understand who we were meant to be if we're going to understand this passage. And you see, simply put, we were actually created to be generous. We were made in the image of a generous God. Sorry, we were made to be generous because we were made in the image of a generous God. And so in, in light of that, we're called to reflect this generosity. But you see, even though we were made in the image of God who was generous um, quickly after the fall happened, and so Adam and Eve, they sinned and they distorted everything. And then now instead of being naturally, ge- naturally generous people, we, humankind, we now became naturally jealous and selfish. And so we were created to be generous, but now because of the fall, we become naturally jealous and selfish people. And the amazing truth, though, the, the cure to this is Jesus, because he lived a life that we couldn't live, and he died a death that we deserved, and then he resurrected so that we could have the opportunity to be generous again. And I love the way that this one theologian, Tom Nelson, explains it. And the quote should be up there because it's pretty amazing. He says, When we embrace lifestyles of joyful generosity, even in times of economic difficulty, we get to experience the rich blessing of living as we are meant to live. So I want to read that one more time. When we embrace lifestyles of joyful generosity, even in times of economic difficulty, we experience the rich blessing of living as we were meant to live. So as you give money to God's cause, as you take new steps of faith by giving more and more, you're going to increasingly grow through the process. And that's what Paul's trying to explain. You're going to experience and come to know God in a whole new way because you will be functioning according to the way that he designed you. And so in order for our lives to flourish in the areas of generosity, we're going to have to function the way that we're supposed to. This is why Paul's so happy with the Philippians. As they supported him financially, they got to experience a piece of who they're supposed to be. They're allowing God to use them in a way that God wants to use us. And ultimately, God created us to be tools and instruments to redeem this world. And so he wants to use us. God wants to use us to change the world. And in order for that to happen, we have to function according to our design. So if you've ever used any sort of tool to build or assemble a project, and you've used the wrong tool to do it, you know exactly how frustrating that can be. It's like using a hammer instead of a screwdriver. It's not going to work. And so certain tools were created for certain purposes. And it's the same way with our money. God created us to be generous. And when we are jealous with our money, when we decide to keep rather than to give, we actually go against the grain of our nature. So what does this look like for our everyday lives? How do we actually put this into practice. I hope you got the point already that this isn't some sort of like prosperity message. Oh, this is about money. Um, I hope you get the point that this isn't give a dollar and you get 10 in return. What this does mean for us is that God blesses us so that we can extend that blessing to others. It means that as people who have a lot, it should be our joyful duty to give a lot in return. It means that 
us especially as Christians, it's our opportunity to be radically generous because Jesus has been radically generous to us. And so that kind of brings me to my second point, that God gets a lot of pleasure in our giving. And so my second point is that, yeah, God's pleasure in giving. When we live as generous people, God is extremely pleased with us. In verse 18, Paul says, I received full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent, a fragrant offering, a a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. So going back to kind of that little tool analogy, I'm sure we've all experienced the opposite. We've experienced the frustration of using the wrong tool for the wrong project, but I'm sure we've also experienced the reward and joy of using the right tool for the right project. And so in the same way, when we allow God to use us to be generous, and when we allow God to use us the way we're designed to, it brings him extreme joy, and he's pleased with us as a result. And so at the end of the passage in in verse 18, Paul uses this Old Testament language of a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And he's doing that because in the Old Testament, um, the Philippians would have perfectly understood what he's referring to. But I think we kind of need to unpack this a bit to understand it. So in the Old Testament, there was actually an entire sacrificial system um, and a certain way to give gifts that would be pleasing to God. There are certain rituals and very specific ways for things to be done in order for the... Um, in order to restore the relationship between man and God. So had to go through a priest, and there was an entire system. But now if we fast forward to the New Testament, where we're at right now, what we realize is that these sacrifices were actually a symbol and a picture of the ultimate sacrifice, which is Christ. You see, it's only Christ and it's only Jesus that could truly save us. And it, it's nothing that we could ever do that would attain us enough favor before God. And that's the beauty of Jesus. He reaches down to us, and he stands in our place So that translates into our giving because we don't give to get favor before God, but instead we give in response to the favor that's been given to us. So we end up treasuring Jesus, and as a result, we give everything away. And as Christians, our bank accounts are now a reflection of what matters most in our lives. This is what Paul's doing. He's staring at the Philippians' bank account, and he is pleased with where their money's going because it reflects that they're treasuring Christ. So what Paul is saying is that a financial gift is one of the greatest sacrifices you could ever give because our money is usually what our heart clings to the most. And so that's the reason that money is a pleasing sacrifice to God. It's because our hearts have been freed through Christ and we treasure God and his purposes in a way that we're supposed to through our generosity. And so through Jesus, we can also fight jealousy and we can be generous instead. He's the one who reverses the curse, and he allows us to be natural givers the way that we're supposed to. I'll finish this point, the second point, with this quote from Tim Keller to wrap up everything. He says, to the degree that your heart is free from false idols is to the degree that you will be able to give your money away like crazy. So I want to repeat that again. He says, to the degree that your heart is free from false idols is to the degree that you, that you will be able to give your money away like crazy. And so Jesus is much greater than any of the idols in our lives. And practically, as you love God more in your lives, you're going to be able to do much more with your resources. And so I 
I remember living in North Carolina and hearing and talking to Brian about how Summit was actually able to buy this building and the brick building next door. I just remember thinking how amazing that was. Not because now Summit Church owns a cool building in the Rhino District and not because we have our own permanent space, but more because I knew that Jesus was moving in everyone's heart here in such a way that you guys gave so radically. And so I, I remember just hearing the stories, but I remember thinking that God must be moving in a really real way because only people who've been moved by Jesus would give in that kind of manner. And that really made me want to be a part of Summit. Now, moving on to my third point. It's pretty simple. God's provision and giving. And so God promises that he will always provide for us. In verse 19, Paul says this. He says, My God will supply every need of yours according to riches and glory in Christ Jesus. And so over and over throughout the Bible, God promises to take care of of his people. As you seek to please God, as you seek to honor him, he's going to take care of you, and then he's going to give you the confidence you need to give your money away. It's this confidence that we receive through Jesus that allows us, that gives us the confidence to risk. And it's the assurance that God will take care of us that allows us to give. As I, as I was trying to work through the sermon and figure out how I can kind of illustrate this promise that God will give, um, I was just reminded of my own life and my wife, as we moved from Denver, from Raleigh to Denver, um, and I just remember thinking about all the tiny and big ways that God would provide for us. And if I had all the time in the world, I'd love to share all the details. But I want to share one story just to kind of illustrate um, that God will provide for us and that people who love Jesus risk giving everything away. So in October of last year, I called Brian and I told him that we we're committed to moving to Denver and my wife and I just started saving money, started planning, and we had no idea how we were ultimately going to get here and how everything was going to work out. But at one point, this guy, Brent, um, he was a man I really looked up to. He came up to me, and then he just offered to pay off my entire college tuition. He told me he was excited that I was moving across the country to go join a church and go love Jesus in Denver. And so Brent literally wrote me a check on the spot and then told me to go follow Jesus. I'm not saying this to make it seem like once you commit to following Jesus and once you commit to going somewhere for Jesus that all of a sudden it's everything in life is going to become easy. That's not what I'm saying. Because it, it hasn't all been easy um, the entire time we've moved here. In fact, for my wife and I, our hope was never really in God providing for the tiny little things, but our hope was always in Christ in the ultimate provision that we have through him. And that's what allowed us to leave our secure jobs in North Carolina and leave our friends and come to Denver. And so, throughout the history of Christianity, God's taking care of his people. And that was just a small story in my life. But what I really want to hit on is that the climax of God's provision comes through Jesus. And I know it seems like I keep repeating Jesus for every answer, but it's extremely crucial that we understand that. So, and Paul, Paul says in Romans 8.32, He who did not spare his own son, referring to God the Father, he writes, He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us, how will he not with him graciously give us all things? So here's what I'm trying to get at. Here's my third point. That if God gives us Jesus Christ, then we have all the confidence in the world that he's going to provide for every single one of our needs. It's this relationship with Jesus that allows us to freely give up everything, specifically our money and resources, 
And so I've never met a true Christian who regretted giving away even the biggest financial gift because they were in love with Jesus and because they understood that he was the ultimate provision. And so Brent, he didn't pay off my tuition because he's extremely wealthy. And in fact, he paid off my tuition because of his relationship with Jesus. He understood that God had entrusted him with much and that as a result, he's been called to be a good steward of it. He understood that money is not really his, that ultimately belongs to God and he's been called to give it away. And so Brent could have done a million other things with the money he paid off my tuition. Instead, he decided to advance the movement by supporting someone. And so in our lifetime, we've all been allotted a certain amount of money. We've all been entrusted with something. He's, God's blessed each one of us financially to a certain extent in different ways. And now it's our job to be a good steward with it. So as we move into communion in a sh- quick second, I just want to... Th- Everyone to challenge, I just want to challenge everyone with one thing. Just think really hard about what you've been given and what you're going to do with it. Before we wrap this entire thing up, though, I want to hit on one last thing. In verse 21 and 22, Paul says, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. The brothers who are with me, they greet you. In verse 22, he writes probably one of my favorite lines in this passage. He says, Especially those of Caesar's households. The saints greet you, especially those of Caesar's households. And so Paul finishes his letter. He's pretty much finishing this entire letter of Philippians, not just this passage, by letting the Philippians know that the saints and Caesar's households send greetings. And it's easy for us to kind of read the entire book of Philippians and kind of overlook this quick little thing. But it's actually really amazing and it's really crucial. And what's amazing about it is that in the start, like many years ago, Paul had planted this church in Philippi. And because of their generosity, now the gospel has spread to the point that there are Christians in one of the most influential households of the time. I'm not going to go into the history of Caesar and who he was and everything, but the gospel has gone far, and that's the point. The Philippians supported him, and it started with a man who had a vision, and now the gospel has spread into one of the most unimaginable places ever. It was their giving that. It wasn't just feeding Paul. It wasn't just clothing him. But their financial gifts were helping push into something seemingly impossible. It really is amazing that there's not Christians in Caesar's households. And Paul said, says in Ephesians 3.20 in another book, that Christ is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. It's one of his prayers. And so when we give financially and when we give faithfully, sorry, when we give faithfully and when we embrace radical generosity, God is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think. So the cause has advanced because of the Philippians' generosity, and ultimately that's my prayer for us. I pray that we will further the cause here in Denver, and that we will do some amazing things in this community as a result of our generosity. Like I said, it was amazing for me to be in North Carolina and to watch the generosity of you guys that allowed to buy this building And so I just keep praying that through our generosity, we will be able to do some amazing things here. And I pray that in response to what Jesus has done, that we will give away all that we are and all that we have. And so I'm going to pray now, and then through communion, just just dwell on that. Think about what you've been given and what you're going to do with it. So let me pray real quick. God, I thank you because you have been radically generous to us in sending us Christ God, you've been so gracious to us through that. And you have unlimited resources and you have promised to take care of us. 
I pray that you would help us to believe that promise that you will take care of us and that as a result of that promise that we would give away like crazy. And so I pray for Summit Church. I pray that we would be a generous people and that we would be a light to this community because of that.